millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Some people think that I, I degrade Rizal, for example, by... Uh, focusing on things like he had a bad bite, he had he had bad breath. My dentist used to say he, based on results, the photograph of Rizal's skull, <laughs> that Rizal needed braces. So when I wrote about it, uh, brought the house down. But uh, the thing there is, it uh, it's not meant to that, uh, to, that to did cut seem him to down. pose a problem it's for him with regard to women. The no? women, exactly. Mm-hmm. But it also tells us that. Uh, if Rizal can be a hero, then you can be a hero yourself. The, the standard way we are taught is that Rizal was born, a genius, etc. So your uh, students' reaction is, that's Rizal, I'm not. So uh, I can remain as dumb as I am. But mm-hmm. if we know that we're the same, we're, we're both, uh, you will we'll both have bad breath or, or a bad back, uh, then it inspires us to be like them. Conversations with Randy David explores the various aspects of culture, politics, religion, and everything else that makes us Filipino. Listen in on the conversation with today's guest, public historian Ambeth Ocampo. Thank you so much, uh, Ambeth, for agreeing to be our guest uh, in today's podcast. Ambeto Campo is uh, probably the most famous Filipino living historian as far as young Filipinos uh, are concerned today. Ambet was chairman of the National Historical Commission of the Philippines and concurrently chairman of the NCCA or National Commission for Culture and the Arts. And uh, he was at the same time also Associate Professor of History at Ateneo de Manila, where he still teaches. Ambet is a very well-known author of history books. They're easy to read. He is also a well-known lecturer at Ayala Museum. He is a crowd drawer as, uh, as far as uh, Philippine history is concerned, which is not an easy thing to do. Ambet, did you always think that you were going to be a historian? I'd like to think that maybe I became a historian because I did not like the way that I was taught. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, turning point actually came uh, way after college. Um, I, uh, I had met uh, writers like uh, Emilio Aguilar Cruz and uh, Teodoro Agoncillo who showed me that um, history was basically a story and a story that should be engaging. And I used to wonder why history was so badly taught. And I guess it was because we wanted history not to tell an engaging story, but to teach us lessons that uh, are not also as uh, interesting as they may be. So it, it dawned on me that uh, history should engage 
and it is the engagement that you need first in order to teach. Mm -hmm. So later on, when I started teaching, this became the way in which I write and the way in which I teach that uh, you use a story to teach. You use humor to teach. Uh, when you make people laugh, their defenses mm -hmm. are down and you can do anything, almost anything that you want. Where were you educated? Uh, well, I went to the Ateneo, <laughs> uh, got bored there, so I went to UP and I... Also got bored there. there. My, my degrees came from La Salle. Um, and uh, so I went to all three. Actually, the, the funny part was when Agoncillo, you know, I met him the last six months of his life. I see. Uh, I only met him at a book launching. We were seated together. I didn't know who he was, but we chatted the whole afternoon. Mm -hmm. And when he stood up and left, I had forgotten to ask who he was. So I asked Sol Rey, <laughs> my, my literature teacher, and then she said, that's Teodoro Agoncillo. And my first reaction was, Kala ko patay na yon, no? uh, And most people think historians are either old or they're dead. Exactly. Uh, and so th there, th there he was. And so he says, uh, why don't you come and visit me at home? Mm. This is my phone number. Uh, tell them when they answer that uh, I told you to call because mm -hmm. they screen my uh, they screen my callers. So mm -hmm. I went and I think that became my uh, my real history lessons. No, I would mm -hmm. literally sit at his feet. We would start uh, at three mm -hmm. three o'clock in the afternoon and finish at ten when mm -hmm. the wife would come in and signal me yeah. to go home. Mm -hmm. But uh, it was not just that he was talking all the time. But uh, sometimes he would give assignments like. Uh, can you read Florante at Laura before we meet next? And of course, I would not read it because I read it in high school. And as soon as I get there, he'll ask obscure questions like, uh, <laughs> ano ang paralumans? Uh, no? And then he would explain uh, that a paraluman is a butterfly. A paraluman is also mm. the, so the rosette in a map. So it, it meant that I really had to read what he yeah. tells me to read. So that was my real education. I learned from him that... Uh, History was not just a story, but you needed research and uh, rigor. But most people uh, who were formally trained in the discipline with their high degrees on, on history would think that history is about the large forces that shape society. Know, the formation of the nation. Yeah. If you look at the history books that Ambet Ocampo has written, no? Rizal without the overcoat, no? Aguinaldo's breakfast, no? Bonifacio's bolo, no? and so on and so forth. Until no? I ran out of heroes to <laughs> name my books. No? Um, the, the, the focus seems to be on the everyday life of, of, of these people. What kind of items did uh, the mother of Jose Rizal sent to him when he was a student mm. in Europe. Those are very, very interesting tidbits, but to some people, that's not really history. It's, uh, you may succeed in personalizing uh, aspects uh, of the lives of these heroes, no? Uh, but people think, uh, is that worth knowing as an aspect of our past? Well, it's, it's uh, the proverbial forest versus the trees. So mm -hmm. the academic historians give you the forest, then I can give you the trees. It's like, uh, yes. yes, we had the Philippine Revolution, but nobody tells us how it was fought, what what weapons did they use? What kind of a uh, wound will a mouser uh, produce compared to a crag? Uh, mm -hmm. uh, it, it may be trivial to some, but these are the things that make history move. So some people think uh, I trivialize because they judge me on 
the 600 words you write for the inquirer and with 600 words you cannot do a full narrative so if people want to read academic things i've written which they never comment about i have a very boring rizal bibliography which only scholars read or uh, mm-hmm. or my ma thesis which was the the, the third novel of rizal that we makamisa which we found in the Vault of the National Libraries. Yeah. And what's wrong with writing a column? I'm also yeah, yeah. <laughs> an inquirer columnist like yourself. Well, most, no? and well, most academics don't want to uh, uh, write for popular media. Mm. They think uh, it cheapens them, cheapens mm. the profession. And I'd like to think mm. that's where they miss the boat. Do you regard yourself as a public historian? Well, that's how some people have uh, labeled me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a history that talks to, not to academics, but talks to ordinary people. I'd like to uh, make people aware of their past as a way for them to understand uh, the present and also the uncertain future. Some people think that I, I degrade Rizal, for example, by uh, focusing on things like he had a bad bite he had he had bad breath my dentist used to say he based on the photograph of Rizal's skull <laughs> that Rizal needed braces i showed it to two other dentists and they said based on the skull we can tell you now that he needed braces and that he probably had halitosis so when i wrote about it uh, brought the house down but uh, the thing there is it uh, it's not meant to that, uh, to, to cut him to down. pose a problem it's for him with regard to women the no? women exactly mm. but it also tells us that uh, if Rizal can be a hero then you can be a hero yourself I'd like mm-hmm. to think that by making our historical uh, personages human you show that it is in their humanity That's that right. they became mm-hmm. great. The the standard way we are taught is that Rizal was born, a genius, etc. So your uh, students' reaction is, that's Rizal, I'm not. So mm-hmm. uh, I can remain as dumb as I am. But mm-hmm. if we know that we're the same, we're, we're both, uh, you will both have bad breath or, or a bad back, uh, then... It inspires us to be like them. Is that the reason why you once said that perhaps the greatest misfortune of Rizal was that he was declared a national hero? Because he's national hero, for example, when you read the novels, you're supposed to look for emergence of nation when you should actually just enjoy them as novels and Mm -hmm. later see how these things uh, pan out. I don't hide the fact that I passed my... Uh, Rizal course by reading the comic book version of the novels <laughs> and I uh, only read the novels when I had to teach it. Uh, mm. My first teaching job was in De La Salle University and uh, I think they gave this idiot of a lecturer the 7 a.m. class which nobody wanted. And, did and you, it, how and many students did you have? It was have? about 30 students and they were, you know, computer science. I was only reading the Noli 5 six chapters ahead of Uh them and during one lecture uh, Mm -hmm. one of the bright students raised his hand and said you know in chapter 23 I have this problem and I had only read till chapter 20 Uh, and so I felt a cold sweat I Mm -hmm. said that's a very nice question but it's not relevant to our lesson Mm -hmm. today so um, (laughs) can I answer that at our next meeting and so before the next meeting because my life depended on it I had to read the novels in two days and when I was forced to read it cover to cover 
cover. Yeah, That's really when I appreciated it. it. And I said, why? These are such wonderful, funny novels. And the thing there is, in high school, you are made to read uh, edited, expurgated That's versions. That's true. Uh, so when they give us a watered-down, mm. silly version of the Noli and the Philly, when the student goes to college, he, he or she presumes that they had read it before. Mm. And when they take it up in my class, for example, I always zero in on the, sec- the funny yeah. sexual parts, which are not in, in the novels. No, I remember when I was first teaching in PI 100 in UP, I was called to the... Uh, to the president of UP, uh, who, who was, was then it? Pepe Abueva. So we sat, I sat down and he said, uh, you know, I have received some uh, complaints, complaints <laughs> about the way in which you teach. And mm. uh, I heard that you asked some very strange questions. I said, yes, what did they report to you? Uh, I heard that you asked uh, the students questions like, which is older, black or white? What's the point? And I said, I just want them to think outside of the box. And so mm. we, we chatted. So we talked about the Nolan and Philly. Mm. And at the end of that uh, brief interview, he says, uh, I know what you're going through. So just teach the way you want to teach. And uh, mm. I will just receive all the complaints that will mm. be hurled against you. So one of the things that was told was that in the Noli, for example, there is a scene in the... Uh, in the picnic. What is not normally in the textbooks is the part where uh, the boys and the girls want to sit together in one yeah. banca. Mm-hmm. So it's supposed to be sex segregated. So mm-hmm. all the women are seated and when the boys wanted to join them, their old maid aunts came and no, no, you sit in the other side. Mm-hmm. And when they were pushed into the water, Albino, the ex-seminarian, said, uh, be careful, there are four holes in the boat. And he signaled with his finger and motioned, they're this big. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and he says, you need the, the men to plug the hole. <laughs> and so I said, what on earth is that, he, huh? what is he talking about? You know? And so, of it's course, a very the, sexual the, illusion, the, no? so the people who complained told the, the president of UP, you know, Ambeto Campo is misreading the, the Noli Metangere. What is he teaching the students? But I said, it is there. Mm-hmm. And we cannot imagine Rizal laughing. Mm-hmm. And the, the funny part was when I read the original Spanish, it did not just say there are four holes in the boat and you need the men to plug the holes and he, he made the motion. But there was a throwaway line and there were four other women who had holes they didn't have to worry about. These are the old <laughs> really? days. I don't so remember when, that, that. So when Spanish, I saw that, uh, oh my, why did they remove this from the knowledge? So I see, it, wala sa English. Wala sa English din yun, no? Uh, so then I knew that Rizal was making a funny yes. point and that mm. we had actually censored him. No? So we, we killed his humor. Mm. And r- one of Rizal's greatest weapons was that very sharp, uh, painful yeah. sense of humor. And, uh, and you and think that's worth knowing? Uh, I think by, it is worth knowing Filipinos. because, uh, not because it's funny and sexual, but it, it makes them realize that there is more to this novel to, to than we think. Mm. And by throwing two or three examples like that, they read closer. Mm, Sometimes they see see things that I didn't see. Well, if you go to the UP Department of Education, their their textbook example on improper test construction is Mm. Ambet Ocampo's uh, exam (laughs) questions. You mean notorious? Notorious. (laughs) I I asked a question once, uh, what is the... 
what is the significance of the dog in Rizal's execution? Mm-hmm. No? Uh, essay question, final exam. The Ateneo, Ateneo students are very bolero, so they're, they're things like, oh, the dog is the symbol of our <laughs> colonization to Spain after Rizal is <laughs> shot, the dog runs around and it is free, etc. Uh-huh. And of course, the whole class flanks, no? Mm-hmm. And uh, so I was called to the office. You cannot flunk more than 20% of your students. If this happens, that means the problem is with you, you not this with the students. No? So the, the committee asked, uh, what is the significance of the dog? I said, what do you think is the significance? Then they said, you're the one being te- uh, asked, so please answer. So, uh, so I said, there's no significance. And then they said, there's no significance. Yes, they should have written W-A-L-A wala, or N-O-N-E. And they said, one word? Yes, one word. But it was an essay question. Yes, mm. it's an essay question. Answerable in one word? Yes, it is. Then they said, but you're confusing the students. But isn't that what the test is all about? <laughs> you know. So, um, so they let me go. But uh, And I'm usually abroad. On a semester that I was gone, the department was forced to take a seminar in proper test construction. And, uh, <laughs> and, and I used to you, tell huh? them things like I would give a 100-number test uh, final exam, true or false. Mm-hmm. And then so it's easy to check. Everything is true. Mm-hmm. You know? um, and of course, they will say, you cannot, it cannot be all true. I said, the whole point here is, in my class at least, we will go outside of the box. And you go back to a normal teacher after me. But it mm. forces you to, mm. to think beyond the test, to think uh, mm-hmm. that there are many other ways to answer. And I think when you teach, when we teach, um, the only thing I think I leave my students, they'll forget all the history, but... All I give them is a sense of how I do my work. It is mm-hmm. curiosity about the, my research area, curiosity mm-hmm. about life. And I think that's what will help mm-hmm. them the rest of their lives. Not, mm-hmm. not how many people were alive during the uh, Philippine Revolution or how much was GDP in, mm-hmm. in 1899. History is about life. History is mm-hmm. about human nature. And mm-hmm. uh, if you forget that, then we have forgotten what history is all about. Um, but uh, we are, I think, in 2021, we will be marking the 500 years of uh, the arrival of uh, the Spaniards no, to the Philippines and uh, the religion they brought to our shores, no, Christianity. Some people object to the whole idea of celebrating an event that uh, led to our colonization, and our adoption of a religion that is supposedly alien to our sensibility. Do you think that the 500 years uh, celebration of the arrival of Christianity in the Philippines is worth celebrating? It's one of the things that I've been thinking about a long time, that if we do our textbooks, you will actually see that um, it talks about 1521 and about Magellan circumnavigating the world and uh, Magellan discovering the Philippines. And uh, it reminded me that uh, in the 1970s, uh, the late Gregorio Saide Mm -hmm. already tried to change the way in which we understand ourselves by saying, you know, when Magellan arrived, there were 
there were people there. So how can you discover mm-hmm. a land where there were people? Aside wrote, Magellan didn't discover the Philippines. Magellan rediscovered the Philippines. And of mm-hmm. course, when I discussed <coughs> this with Agoncillo, mm-hmm. uh, his rival, he was very upset. So he says, don't read Saide. He's an idiot. Do you know what you are saying when you say Magellan yeah. rediscovered the Philippines? I said, what? Then Agoncillo says, why? Did the Philippine Islands go under the sea and hide and come up in 1521 yeah. so for Magellan to rediscover exactly. it? So I won't say Magellan discovered the Philippines because that's the Western viewpoint. I won't say that he rediscovered the Philippines because that's the rabid Philippine viewpoint. Mm. I will simply say that Magellan arrived in the Philippines mm-hmm. in 1521. Mm-hmm. And when you think about it, it's just one word. Mm-hmm. The, the event does not change, the characters does not change, the date will not change, but one word, one verb from mm-hmm. discovered, rediscovered, arrived. One word mm-hmm. changes the whole way in which you understand the story mm-hmm. and the whole way in which you you relate to the story. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, rather than fight it, I would like to think that it is a way for us to to look beyond. Let me reorient our view. Like say, you know, a few weeks ago, I read in the paper, Cebu celebrated its 400 whatever foundation. And I'd like to remind them and to use 15-2021 to say, yes, it was the foundation of Spanish Cebu. Mm-hmm. It is not the foundation of Cebu. So, uh, one of the things they've asked me to prepare a lecture for 2021. I'm going to talk about yes. the archaeological excavation of porcelain in Cebu and Bohol. Just to show you that the Chinese came, came the and they wouldn't have traded with barbarians. Mm-hmm. Uh, what were they trading in? What, what, does it say, what does this say about, about Philippine society at the time? It pushes our understanding mm-hmm. Of, of that period. But why, why isn't there much history writing of the pre-colonial period? History per se is uh, history that is based on written record. Mm-hmm. And uh, if we are to accept that our oldest record is the Laguna Copper Plate inscription, um, it's a plate that they found in 1989 supposedly in Laguna. My beef there is that this copper plate which we, on which we base our, our written history it's not it's not a poem it's not part of an epic it's a receipt yeah, no? it's a somebody receipt. paid mm-hmm. utang and got mm-hmm. a receipt uh, so you you paid got a receipt in metal and that's why it survived a thousand years mm-hmm. uh, the two texts in which we base our prehistory one is the laguna copper plate and the second is the kalatagan pot Mm-hmm. Uh, which is a palayok with writing on the side mm-hmm. in Baybayin. Baybayin. Our, our main problem with those two artifacts is that they were not scientifically excavated. No, Like the Laguna mm, copper plate, and this may be one of my biggest regrets, was shown to me uh, when it was found. They were selling it to me and I looked at it and I said, this cannot be there so much in Indonesia. Saan nang nakuha ito? Ah, sa Laguna po. Oh, binobola mo ko si, blokohin mo lolo, lelong mo. And so they went to the National Museum and now it is National Treasure of the Philippines. I still want to believe it. It's one of the things, no, Carol Howe calls them necessary fictions. Yes. Like the Kalatagan Pot, for example, mm-hmm. has not been deciphered for the lo- since 1961 mm-hmm. when it was acquired by the National Museum. The late Guillermo Tolentino, national artist mm. for sculpture, the guy who gave us yeah. oblation and the uh, and the Bonifacio monument, he 
he was an expert on the baybayin. So he copied it out and he says, ah, hindi ko mabasa, but uh, uh, let me bring it home and I'll study it. Mm-hmm. So he came back some weeks later with a very long uh, thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, to paraphrase, it was a Philippine curse now. It's something like, uh, kung mabasag mo ako, mamalasin ka. And because mm-hmm. we were so scared of the curse, it survived 1,000 years. Uh, <laughs> and when I read it, sabi ko, even in cursing, ang corny naman yan. Sabi ko, when I was in England, I took a course in ancient Egyptian mummification. Um, <laughs> and I, I studied ancient Egyptian curses and I said they were so malevolent and creative. Like my favorite ancient Egyptian curse goes like this. May all your teeth fall off but one. And may that one ache for all eternity. Diba? Uh, Galing, ano? Par- parang pinag-isipan. Hindi uh, yung parang sa atin, kung mabasag mo ako, malasin ka. Anyway, so mm. the museum asked, Professor Tolentino, how did you decipher yeah. this? Dahil hindi rin namin ma-decipher. Then mm. he says, well, I couldn't decipher it either. So what I did was, and he was a noted spiritist. He was one of the founders of the <laughs> Union Espiritista so Cristiana de Filipinas. So, so he had a seance in his I house. See. And they conjured the spirit of the person who made the pot. Oh and he God. says, ito yung sinabi ng spirit. And because it's not academic, they put it in a drawer and forgot about it. So uh, the Kalatagan pot is, is really problematic. But mm-hmm. I'd like to think if you, if you are to be Filipino, kahit hindi totoo, paniwalaan okay, na lang natin. No? Tolentino was like that. He's, eh, when you look at the Bonifacio Monument, for example, they say it's the closest to Bonifacio's likeness. But unlike Rizal who had photographs, Bonifacio has only one, one. photograph. Uh-huh. No? And my problem with Bonifacio's only photograph is that he's not wearing the white shirt and the red pants. He's That's wearing right. a, a coat, coat and a tie. <laughs> That's right. So our friends from Diliman, who like Bonifacio more than Rizal, claim that this was taken during his wedding day. I said, if this is the wedding day, where is Mrs. Bonifacio? Uh, so they cannot explain it away. Our, the hero mm. of the masses is in a coat and a tie. Anyway, so with that one picture, how did Bonif- how did Tolentino get the likeness? He got the bone structure of his sister, Espiridiona, and he had seances in the house, conjured no, the spirit, no and the that, spirits no? told him this is what he looks like. You know? So we got the closest likeness. So it's stories uh, uh, like this that make, make things uh, very, very interesting. Tolentino published a very obscure book called Sirisal, no, in 1949. And if you open to the back, I, uh, after the war, they had a seance in his house and they had invited his surviving sister, Trinidad. Mm-hmm. They conjured Rizal's spirit and let Rizal talk to his right? sister. No? So, uh, and the transcription and? is there. But the sister's just crying all the time, <laughs> no, uh, talking to her brother instead of asking, you know, questions he will... Only Rizal will answer, like, what's Amazing. the name of our pet dog? Mm-hmm. Sanang peklat ko dito. No? Uh, <laughs> they were talking about nationhood. And, and so, I, you know, it's one of those things. But it's, it's a curiosity. It's uh, nice to talk about. Conversations with Randy David would not have been possible without the help of Puma Podcast, music composed by LM Cancho. You may reach us via email at rsd.podcast at gmail.com. You may also follow us on Facebook at Conversations with Randy David and on Twitter at Prof. Randy David. This is Cara David, hoping that you can listen to part two of this interview. Hold up. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.